Hey, it's Mike Halford from the Halford and Bruff podcast. One, thanks for downloading. Two, thanks for listening. Three, why not leave a review while you listen to the podcast? And now, back to the show. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. First, we say good morning to Jason. Good morning, Jason Bruff. And then I say... Good morning. There we go. We say good morning to A-Dog. Bark, bark, A-Dog. Good morning. Good morning. And then we say hello to the other dog behind the glass. It's Laddie, Greg Ballack. Good morning, Laddie. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Three dealerships to serve you better. North Shore Acura, Acura of Langley, and Burrard Acura on Terminal Avenue. As mentioned, we are coming to you live from the Kintex Studios here in beautiful Fairview Slopes. Jason, tell the good people about Kintech and how many of those five-star Google reviews? I think it's up to 1,500. What a number. Maybe we'll have to do, like, live updates on this. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I don't want to jinx it, but we've gotten off to a very good start today. All the equipment works. We flipped the switch from CBS Mm -hmm. to our show. I thought the intro hellos went very well. There was a nice harmony there, a chemistry. I'm I'm excited for a Friday show. Three minutes in and you're already patting yourself on the back? I'm setting us up for failure, mostly, because I know that there's going to be a mistake coming. But I'm excited. The the, the whole point of this is I'm excited about the Friday show. we got a lot to get into today. This is the weekend that we're going into able to watch a Canucks game this weekend. That's exciting. Hockey is back. We can watch two Canucks games. We can. If split you so squads. Yeah. Love a good split squad game. We've got NFL action this weekend. We've got Canada. Right after this show ends, when our official weekend starts, we have a World Cup warm-up match for Canada. Uh, you know how Canada is going to play Japan right before the World Cup? This is correct. Japan right now apparently is pretty dominant over the Americans in a friendly. Yeah, so that one's a good team. That started at 525 our time, I mm-hmm. want to say 825 Eastern. In Dusseldorf. Oh, is that right? Yeah, uh, or, as, or as I call it, Dusseldorf. Right. I wonder what is the proper pronunciation there. Probably not Dusseldorf. No, probably not. Okay, so there's a big show on the horizon. Uh, first hour, it's going to be all Halford and Bruff. No guests. We're going to go through everything that happened at camp yesterday. We're going to talk about Jim Rutherford's interview on this very station where he had some interesting remarks about Bo Horvat. Yeah, and the question for me, and we'll play those remarks, is was it the truth or was it posturing? It sounds like a game show. Truth or posturing? That's not a terrible game show. I don't know the premise beyond it. Yeah, I don't really know what else it'll have, but it's it's there's some promise there. So we'll talk about that in the first hour. Uh, we'll go 6, 6.30. We'll run through everything. And then at 7 o'clock, uh, Brady Henderson, ESPN NFL Nation. We'll look ahead to this. I guess we'll look ahead to the Seahawks game this weekend. Where I'm, it took one week, and we kind of anticipated that yeah. this is the way it would go. But it took one week for all the air to be let out of the balloon or the football, as it were. And now we're just kind of like, well, Seahawks got a game well, this weekend. On the bright side, we were interested in the Seahawks season one more week longer than we thought we would. It's true. That is true. So we'll talk to Brady at uh, 7. Kevin Woodley at 7.30. He'll be our Canucks guest of the day. can talk to Woodley about, uh, I'd say that the Canucks open camp 
not necessarily with a bang, but it was very focused and direct. Like I love how Woodley's going to come on and he's he's our goalie expert, and they're like, "Kev, no one cares about the goalie situation. It's it's, it's pretty standard. It's like, yeah. let's talk about line combinations. Let's talk about D pairs. Let's talk about Rutherford's comments on the captain, which we will get into. He is our Canucks guy today. So uh, eight o'clock, Moj is going to join us. So we got Brady to preview the Seahawks game. We got Moj to preview the BC Lions game. Uh, Lions Stampeders, the rematch, the back to back. After all the, the fireworks that happened in Calgary last weekend, uh, BC has a chance to clinch a playoff spot this weekend, so we'll talk to Moj about all that. We can also do a bit of an NFL preview with Moj, I guess, if we want to look back on Thursday Night Football. <laughs> that was a football game, folks. Actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, yeah, but, but there wasn't much to it. But who cares? That's key. right? I, I guess... Cleveland the, cares. I guess, I guess Cleveland's trying to stay uh, alive until uh, Deshaun Watson is back. Yep. I don't know. That it's just the Steelers to me. I was so used to for so many years. Like, oh, the Steelers game on is on. It's relevant. It's not. No. Uh, what else is happening today? CFL action. You got Montreal and Hamilton. Jays continue their series with the Rays. They've stuttered a little bit recently. Uh, soccer international friendlies. USA is playing Japan right now, as Jason mentioned. Uruguay, who's going to play Canada next, taking on Iran right now. But Canada, of course, the most important of all of them. Ten o'clock kickoff. Against Qatar, it's going to be the first test for this group in what is the official first round of World Cup warm-up matches. There's also Nations League action today over across the pond. You got Hungary and Germany. And then, oh, just a little rematch, England-Italy. Well, England, I think a lot of people are going to be watching this England match because the last time we saw the English national team in friendly action, they lost 4-0 to Hungary, and I believe that was at home. Yeah, it was a bit of a bobble from the three Lions, so they've got a chance. It's interesting because Italy's not going to the World Cup, so they're in a bit of a different phase of their program as well, but this is a fairly significant match So for us, especially Canada and England playing this afternoon. I'm going to be staying up all day. That's a lie. I'm going to be in bed by 9.30. Uh, President's Cup round two. You don't hear that phrase very often. <laughs> I'm going to be staying up all day. That's just the kind of stuff that Halford and Bruff brings just to like, what a worker. Guys, guys, a busy day. I'm going to stay yeah, up for the, for the whole thing. 10 a.m.? The whole thing. <laughs> That's bedtime. Uh, President's Cup second round, although this thing's pretty much over, is it not? You want to jump in on that one? Uh, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't look good for the internationals. Uh, we can talk about a little bit about that later. And finally, it's Ask Us Anything Friday. So get yours in. We've got an entire open first hour to do some Ask Us Anything, so we can get to whatever you want to throw our way. Dunbar Lumber text message in basket, 650-650. It is the Smalt alternative. Uh, get them in. Let us know anything that you want to ask. Life, love, food, anything. Movies. Uh, I watch... Not that many. You watch more. So we've got fairly decent opinions. I haven't asked us anything for you guys. Ooh. Are we allowed to get excited about Canucks line combinations at training camp, or is that an overreaction? Have you, have, have you not been listening to the show, Andy? Do you not, do you not listen to the show? Under Bruce Boudreaux, things are going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Bruce Boudreaux has said that you know the combinations that I put together for the first day of camp we're gonna roll with for a bit. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see. So for sure, I should specify. I don't I don't mean what he is doing with those lines, but how they are looking on the ice at training camp. Yeah. Oh, More so how that. they're looking. Yeah. On- not not mm-hmm. what the lineups no. are. I mean, like just how they're playing. Because obviously, people were hyping up Kuzmenko, McKay. I knew uh, this was so you could talk about Kuzmenko. Well, yeah, because I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not there, so I'm just seeing the tweets. But people are like this lineup. This line looks amazing. There's so much chemistry. They're so creative. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, it's training camp though. So. I think it's okay to get excited. Can I get uh, hyped? Uh, 
yeah. ab- about a line that includes a player in Elias Pettersson who um, we're all going to be watching and who will hopefully take in the momentum of the end of last season. And then two new Canucks. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can get excited about that. Okay, hey, sure. Excellent. Given your specific role on this show as the youthful exuberance and the wide-eyed wonder. You expect the crazy I, I, hype? I need you to bring that kind of energy. It's been the Unrealistic expectation? That got choked out of Bruff and I, what, 10, 15 years ago? At <laughs> yeah, the very late. I, I've never been excited about anything in yeah. like a decade. So. <laughs> the last player I was excited about was like, I don't know, like Steve Korea or something. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not dating myself, but... <laughs> So I, I feel like anytime you want to get excited about anything Canucks, Excellent. don't even ask. Just bring it. Okay. If we sh- now, if we shoot you down. You're not, no, you're not allowed to shoot me down then. That's what, the rule. Okay, fine. <laughs> we won't publicly humiliate you. We'll just do it uh, when we're off air. So that's the show today. Um, we're going to start with the Canucks stuff. And we're going to tell you what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was. We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? So the reason for Andy's excitement is that the Canucks officially broke camp yesterday in Whistler, and they officially rolled out some lines, line combinations. That is, uh, we. <laughs> he was waiting for that one. Off to a good start. He, he was all planned and ready to go. So, God, these guys are flying. Yeah. I thought that, thought about that at 10 p.m. last night. Ooh, I got a good one. <laughs> I did. It wasn't even intentional. <laughs> It just, I just roll out some water. How do they have so much energy? Why are they so excited? Um, so, as Jason mentioned, Bruce Boudreaux said, things might be a tad different as opposed to other camps that you've seen because we are going to try and roll out our four-line combinations in a similar fashion to what they might look like at the start of the regular season. So, whatever they rolled out yesterday, unlike maybe some other camps, it actually meant something. Or, at the very least, the coach kind of suggested it meant something. PD was with... Kuzmenko and Mikhaev, 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 Mikhaev. So uh, PD gets to have two shiny new toys on his wings, mm-hmm. um, and I think people are are excited about this. Um, now we'll have to see if these combinations stay together. I, I know Bruce Boudreaux has said like you know like we want to put combinations that we we think can work, but m- maybe they won't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also be curious to see you know what kind of assignments would this line get? Um, Kuzmenko is new to the NHL, but Mikheyev isn't, right? And Petey isn't. Uh, I, I, I'm i starting to wonder if, the, you know, and I know there's been a lot of talk on, on the station about this, and I, I'm not going to drone on too long about it, but maybe the Canucks won't have a pure matchup line. I don't yeah. know, right? It's, it's, it's possible they just won't, right? I think Garland was with Horvat, so are you really going to put – Garland on a, on a matchup line? I I don't know, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you had, what was it, Pearson, Miller, and Besser uh, together. I think these things are are, are going to change a little bit. I, you know, as much as we say that Bruce Boudreaux is um, going to put together combinations that maybe we could see in the first game of the regular season, I also don't think we should get overly like, well, these are it. You know, like, because Boudreaux has also acknowledged, like, this can change. in like, line combinations change all the time. Yeah, I do think it was noteworthy that Pedersen got to open with the two shiny new toys. For right? sure. And yeah. then, as Andy alluded to in his youthful glee, there were a lot of people saying, wow, Kuzmenko looks really talented offensively. So, I mean, I've often said, last year especially, like, when... 
Pedersen was playing with Garland, I thought that at times that it worked because uh, Pedersen's a very talented – he's a good goal scorer as well. But I find, I think as a pivot, as a guy in the middle of the ice, he's a very talented playmaker, and he often found Garland in good positions to score. Now, the one thing they kind of lacked on that was you'd want almost the a guy with a heavier shot, a guy with a better snipe, because Garland's shot isn't exactly overwhelming, right? He's not a shoot-first kind of guy. He likes to dangle a little bit yeah. more. But uh, putting Pedersen with – Kuzmenko, who's got offensive talent. And then on the other side with Mikheyev, who I think is going to end up being the fastest player on the team. If nothing else, it kind of lets your mind go free and be imaginative and creative. Like, oh, imagine what these guys could do together. Now, I'll I'll add to this. Can we get the Boudreaux audio up? Greg found this this morning. In speaking yesterday, uh, Boudreaux was talking about what the two Russians bring to the ice. And he sounded excited about it because of the abilities that each has and the high level in which those two can do the abilities. So here is... Bruce Boudreaux and Andrei Kuzmenko and Ilya Mikheyev. You could see the skill in them. You could see the release in the shot. Uh, I don't want to make too many comparisons at, at all, but like Kuzmenko's release is a lot like Ovi's release. You know, looking at both of them off the off the left side. So, um, but I think they played with energy, and and you could tell that they weren't just out here. You know, to just uh, they wanted to make a good impression. and I think they did. I looked. Uh, I sorry. I looked over when. So we have said, the next Ovi. Is that what, that, what he confirmed? He confirmed I, Ovi two point I looked over when Boudreaux said his release is kind of like Ovi's, and there was Andy. He's like, uh huh, uh huh. I passed out slightly. <laughs> he was he, very excited. Kuzmenko was playing on the left side too, right? And Mikheyev was playing on the right side, so they were both playing their off wings in terms of like Kuzmenko's a right shot. Handedness, yes. Handedness, yes. yeah. Well, I thought that was interesting. Um, Nils Holglander did not find the lines very interesting um, <laughs> yesterday. He was skating with uh, Nils Amon and Linus Carlson, and both On those guys. Penticton line. Yeah, both those guys are expected to go to Abbotsford. Nils Hoaglander, we've talked about this a lot, right? It, with with the new, um, with the new players, Kuzmenko and Mikheyev, and those guys expected to be uh, in the top nine. The only real spot that you've got is on the fourth line and you have the question of whether or not you want Hoaglander on the fourth line. The early indications are that he's either going to be the 13th forward or is going down to Abbotsford. Yeah. And I, again, I don't think any of this is a bad thing. I really don't. I know. I, some I people, don't either. I know some people have pushed back in the Dunbar lumber text line and said, you know, this is a young player that's shown a lot of offensive upside. I think that at this stage of the game, one, Adversity is not a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. And adversity in this instance for Hoaglander is right from day one of camp, you know where you are in the pecking order. right? There's no, I mean, there's no way, yeah. other way to look at it. Yeah. All the other lines are filled with guys that are probably slotted into where they'll play in the NHL. And then there's you, and you're on a line outside of that, which means you could be on the outside looking in for the big picture NHL stuff. If he has to battle his way into one of those top nine spots, I also think that's a good thing. Because mm-hmm. remember... Coming into the NHL in that that shortened season, the All Canadian Division, um, Hoaglander, a lot of things came easy to him, not because he didn't deserve it, not because he didn't earn it, but he was playing on a bad team. It was riddled by injuries. He had the advantage of coming over on the heels of a Swedish Hockey League campaign, so he was in shape, he was in game form, he was ready to go. He made his mark as a rookie. It was good. Everything went well. 
Did you watch the interview of Quinn Hughes with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick? I have yet to watch all of it. Did you? You, you should watch it. Okay. You, you should, uh, I mean, I've actually watched it a couple times. Um, and maybe we can tweet it out from um, the station account uh, just in case people haven't watched it. I know a lot of people have. Quinn Hughes was talking about his experience um, coming into the NHL, and he said, you know, the first season was all rainbows and roses and unicorns, and I played well, and it was great, and the second season wasn't. The second season, it wasn't like, you know, like, oh, God, I'm not I'm not going to be in the NHL anymore, like <laughs> Nils Hoaglander, or, you know, it wasn't getting healthy scratch or anything, but at the end of the season, he said to himself, man, this has got to get better. Mm. I've got to get better. I've got to be better. That wasn't good enough. And this happens a lot, right? That's why they call it, there's a name for it, the, the sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sometimes I think that thing is a little bit overstated. And what happens really is in the first season, we're excited about a new player, so we kind of overlook some some of the, the faults. Yes, um, the Ben Hutton corollary. Yeah, but but I also actually do think in 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 some ways that that did happen to Quinn Hughes. Like he lost to and he kind of he said I don't want to say I lost my confidence, but you know I just wasn't good. Like I think he might have lost his confidence a little bit in the uh, especially in the defensive uh-huh. end. He was he was kind of uh, forcing things. He wasn't let the, letting the game come to him. Uh, but getting back to Nils Hoaglander, right? Like this is this is a formula that has happened before. You burst onto the scene. Everyone loves you, and then they start going, all right, well, if you're going to be a regular NHLer, you're not perfect. Like, we like you, we're not, you're, but you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. So you have, to, you have to improve it. It's actually happened to a lot of the Canucks. Happened right. to Besser, remember? Yeah. Well, like, it happened to a lot of guys. Uh, Elias, Pettersson, Elias Pettersson, last year. Yeah, last right? season, right? It's funny, because we often frame it you as... Go, you go through this adversity, so yeah. I, I, I really like Nils Hoaglander as a player. I love the energy that he plays with. Yep. I love the pace that he plays with um, offensively. He's got to get better at some things. And maybe Abbotsford, at least for a little while, until injuries happen, which they always do, um, maybe that's the place for him. Uh, another surprising thing I thought from the training camp yesterday, not that anything, not that Hoaglander on that line was particularly surprising. This might have been, though. Um, because when the Canucks signed Danny to Geyser to uh, a PTO, I was kind of like, bah. that just seems like they need bodies. Yeah, and, neither and, of us. We know, were on the air when it happened, actually. Neither yeah. of us really raised much of an eyebrow. We're like, okay, he's coming to camp on a PTO. That was it. Just because, um, you know, everything that, that we'd read out of uh, out of Detroit was that, you know, he, he wasn't, good, wasn't a particularly good player anymore. He had some... Injury issues. I believe he was even on waivers last season. Yeah, he's really he's really slowed down but, mobility with the back injury. But he was on a pairing with Tyler Myers, a big boy pairing. And I don't think Tyler Myers is the seventh or eighth defenseman on the Vancouver Canucks. As many as as much as some people in the Dumber Lumber text line would like him to be, uh, he's not. So DeKaiser, uh, the one thing that I will say is that. He's a pretty good penalty killer. Yep. And I think the Canucks have really been missing that from their defensemen since Alex Adler and Chris Tan have moved on. Like that that kind of when when there's a when there's a penalty against the Canucks, who's going to be the guy that's blocking shots, winning battles along the wall uh-huh. and getting the puck out. They don't really they don't have especially on the left side. Yeah. They don't really have one of those like Grizzly 
penalty killing vets. So a few things on DeKaiser. One, uh, that's a big boy pairing because DeKaiser's six three, and we all know about Myers' height. And it's so that it starts to lead me to believe like, is this going to be? Are they envisioning this as a pair that is going to be killing a lot of penalties? Is maybe that a shutdown pair, a pair you put out late in the game, or this one that's going to bring that physical edge for both guys, not just one guy on the pairing with him. I do remember reading, Wish wrote about all the unsigned UFAs midway through August. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. And he, he talked to DeKaiser's agent. DeKaiser's agent specifically said, he's one of these guys that has redeveloped and redefined his game in the, in the back half of his career. Because when he broke in, he wasn't a super prolific offensive player. What do you mean he had like a 31-point campaign one time? He, he had more offensively, and he actually alluded to Jack Johnson. So if you remember when Jack Johnson broke into the NHL, they they called him like a like an untamed bucking bronco. Like he yeah. was a flashy big. Let's ride. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, he was this composed myself. He was this flashy, powerful skating defenseman who could go on these crazy rushes, but was also uh, prone to lapses because of that. And then eventually turned himself into a more traditional stay-at-home defenseman. If that's the case with DeKaiser and the Canucks can suck, coax one more year out of him. I think that's a that's a nice little addition there. But again, all we've seen is one day of training camp with him on a pairing with Tyler Myers. So uh, Oliver Ekman Larson was with Quinn Hughes, as expected. Quinn Hughes playing at the right side. I think we've talked about that enough. Uh, the other two pairings that could be a thing were Travis Dermott on the left side with Tucker Pullman on the right. And then this is a pairing that I kind of want to see, I have to admit. And that's Jack Rathbone with Luke Shen. Yeah. Because I don't particularly think Luke Shen should be in your top four. Uh, but I do think that he's got um, – he, there's something about him playing with a player that is young and a puck mover that obviously works. Because yeah. Luke Shen did a great job with Quinn Hughes last season. And Jack Rathbone is not Quinn Hughes. And, and, and I know we shouldn't just be like, well, it worked with Quinn Hughes, so I'm sure it'll work with Jack Rathbone. It might not. But it might, right? And I think that that pairing, which I suppose right now would probably be the fourth pairing. Yeah. But it's hard to say, right? Third or fourth. Let's put it that way. Third or fourth. Well, yeah. Who knows? I right? like what they did there, though. I like a lot of the stuff from camp early on, to be yeah. perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, and usually I try not to get to. I've seen a million training camps. But uh, like it's like the Luke Shen mentorship program. He's like a big brother, you know? They just they bring in a kid, and then they're like, uh, Luke here is going to show you the ropes. Maybe you guys can hang out at the arcade together or do whatever it is kids do. But it makes sense from uh, an introductory perspective, right? Is that if you're going to bring um, Rathbone in and maybe give him significant NHL minutes, it would be nice to have a good old-fashioned security blanket with Luke, uh, Luke Shen, who obviously has played this role before. So that's a good thing as well. Okay, um... We're going to have a quick break now, and then we're going to come back with some Jim Rutherford audio from Canucks Central yesterday. I was listening to this interview yesterday, and Jim Rutherford made a remark about uh, Bo Horvat and Bo Horvat's contract situation that struck me as, well, when I listened to it, I thought, wow, that's either really interesting or this is some serious posturing going on from Jim Rutherford. It didn't get a lot of play on social media. I looked yesterday and I was like, ah, wait a minute. But I threw the clip up on Twitter and people are like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Uh -huh. 
So we will play that when we come back. Uh, you're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Well, we're hopeful. You know, I mean, what Bo has said comes from his heart. He means that he's been a Canuck his whole career. I think he'd like to stay that way. Um, we feel the same way. We would like to keep him. 631 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. That voice you heard coming back from break, that was none other than Canucks General Manager Jim Rutherford right here on Sportsnet 650 on Canucks Central with Sat and Dan yesterday. Now, that wasn't all that Rutherford had to say yesterday on the station. Yeah, and so some people are like, well, what's the big deal? Rutherford just said they they they, they like Bo Horvat and they want to keep Bo Horvat and Bo Horvat wants to stay in Vancouver, so they'll, they'll, they'll just figure something out. In fact... Jim Rutherford went on to say that uh, he preferred not to have loose ends heading into the season, which mm. doesn't mean that he's like going to off a witness or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, I think it means that he, he, he would like to have a finality on the Horvat contract situation. And he got finality on the JT Miller contract situation, a resolution there. And he, he said that, you know, I, I didn't really want that to be a distraction heading into this season. So. We assume the same sort of thing holds for Bo Horvat. Um, but on the other hand, Jim Rutherford admitted, you know, it's a legitimate question on how many players you want signed into their 30s. Uh, he later in the interview um, conceded yet again that they need to address the right side of their defense. And if a young right shot defenseman becomes available, they'd obviously be interested in whoever that defenseman is. Uh, and then this was the interesting part. This was the part that I was sitting there going, is this the truth or is this Jim Rutherford maybe sending a message to Bo Horvat and his agent that the Canucks are not desperate to re-sign Bo Horvat. They'd like to, but they're not desperate. And the point he made was that We've already got JT Miller locked up. So I'm just going to play the clip for you, and you tell me whether this is honesty, like this is just a straight answer, and you can take it at face value, or if this is a message to Bo Horvat's camp. When you look at you look at Miller, he's been the best uh, player or the certainly the best forward for a number of years. Um, you don't. You don't want to let your best player go. Uh, Bo's been a good player here. But one of the good things about having JT done is we were really concerned about what would happen if we lost both of them. And uh, and so now with having one of them signed, it takes a little bit of the pressure off of the position that we're in. So it takes a little bit of the pressure off the position we're in, mm-hmm. i.e., we're not desperate to get something done with Bo Horvat because we do have JT Miller under contract and Elias Pettersson is under club control. So we got two pretty good centers signed Uh and under club control for quite a while. We'd like to have Bo Horvat done, but we're not desperate. 
And that does, as much as that might be a message to Horvat's camp, it might also be the truth at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because by all accounts, this is one of those situations where the Canucks would like to keep Horvat and Horvat would like to stay in Vancouver, but the Canucks maybe just don't feel that Horvat is worth what Horvat thinks he's worth. So as we play the hot new game show, a Truth or Posturing, we look at these comments and say, unfortunately, this is where the game falls flat because it might be both. It might very well be both because what Rutherford said wasn't really like setting off a five alarm fire. Like it's kind of accurate. They went into an off season with a lot of uncertainty around their best forward and their captain. We, we all knew this. And then he said, you, we didn't want to ever risk the possibility of losing both. We discussed that, that that may be something down the road. And we didn't want that to happen. So we gave ourselves some security there. I think everything he said was accurate. He just said it out loud and publicly. And that's where the posturing part comes in. Because you say, well, was this designed to put the Canucks in a certain light as this thing moves forward? Or is he just stating like, look, we have a limit where we're going to go. We have a certain expectation of what we want this contract to look like, both in terms of term and financial compensation. And that's it. It's cut and dry. And I, I wonder if that's kind of was the message yesterday. Like, look, there's, it's a very straightforward black and white situation on our side of things. And this is what it looks like. If you were Horvat, what contract number would you think was a fair contract number for you? Oh, man. I mean, I, like personally, I'd be coming in looking for $7 million annually. Yeah. And then that's may- what Kadri got. Right. And then maybe with the understanding that I'm not going to get necessarily that. But um, I, look, well, if you're the Canucks, the Canucks are coming in at five, apparently. Yeah. Or something around that neighborhood. Probably very similar to the deal that he's already on. Is there a deal there, though? Like the, the, very rarely, and we've said this a few times, very rarely is there a situation where the team really wants to keep the player and the player really wants to stay with the team that they can't figure something out. Uh-huh. But that just appears to be where we're at right now. Uh, the issue and the thing I haven't really got a firm grasp on, even though I have kind of asked around, is how Horvat is viewed by every other NHL market. I feel like some objectivity would be good here because like even from a personal standpoint, He's been here since his rookie year. There's a certain comfort level with him. I, there's an affinity for him yeah. because he's been, uh, you know, through the scars and through the wars with the Canucks. He's the captain of the team. It's the only NHL club he's ever known. And, you know, uh, opinions have varied. There's people that obviously like Horvat, but part of that is, well, you get a pretty solid NHL center that in maybe in, on a good team, mm-hmm. he's closer to a 3C on an uh, – you know, on a bad team, maybe he's closer to a 2C. He'll give you 20, 25 goals, and the contract was great. Well, the contract's coming up, and who knows what the new one's going to look like. Daniel and Comox text in, if Bo's deal doesn't get done by the start of the season and he decides not to negotiate throughout, I will officially be worried we're going to get Johnny hockeyed. Now, Canucks general manager Patrick Galvin has, has come out and said that won't happen. We're not Quite gonna clearly. Lo- we're not going to lose a player. Um, a pending unrestricted free agent. We're not just not going to let that player walk away. So the Canucks, in theory, in theory, could be in a situation where they're having a good season. They're in a playoff position, and then they trade away their captain yeah. at the trade deadline. That, in theory, is a possibility. They can I, also I don't... trade him tomorrow if they want it. There's well, no clauses yeah. on his contract. Yeah. Just well, to make could, that clear. They could sign him tomorrow. Exactly. Uh, I just think it'll be really 
telling about the gap in negotiations if they can't get a deal done before the season. And I'm just not sure who would budge then. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're they're obviously they're obviously putting the work in to try and get this done, mm-hmm. right? Clearly, right? And and Jim Rutherford said, "Hey, I, I want to get this thing solved before the start of the season." But I think the Canucks might hold a little firmer on this negotiation. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, here's maybe how not. I, here's how I would frame it. Uh, as we parse through everything, and by the way, I called him the general manager, Jim Rutherford, president of Hockey Ops. That's my bad. Sorry, Patrick Elvin. Uh, the comments that have been put forth, there's not a ton of them, but you can sort of read the tea leaves here, right? So Alvin's are, let's put this on the record. Alvin's already said uh, assets don't walk away for nothing, right? That's 100%. So, they're yes. not, so yep. that's not an option. Rutherford has also said on a number of occasions now, I'd like to tie up the loose ends. We'd like to get everything sorted before training camp. That was the approach that they took with Miller. They didn't want this hanging over the team. So file that away as well. Finally, the final strokes of the JT Miller negotiations his agent came out and said, you know, why did this happen out of the why did this happen now? Right before a long weekend when nobody saw it coming. And he essentially said the Canucks stepped up. Right? That was the line, I think, Brian Partlett, yep. if I'm not mistaken. So the Canucks, I think, essentially decided, all right, we're doing this now. We're getting this done. We're getting this done. If that's the approach that they've already had in a historical context, you would think that that would probably apply again. Now, unless, unless they don't feel about Bo, Hor- Bo Horvat the way they did about JT Miller. That's fair. They're not both. They're not the same player. That's fair. I think what they're weighing out now is: would we move off our number for Horvat at the expense of this bleeding into the regular season? You get what I mean? It's like maybe we'll be convinced, or maybe we'll be urged to meet your number a little bit more, knowing that we don't want this being a distraction because they are in. They're super hyper focused on playoffs, good start. I mean, it, it, this is like camp good vibes right now, right? Yeah. Like everything is everything's happy except for Nils Hoaglander. Everybody's happy because there's no injuries, there's no holdouts. Even the Horvat contract negotiations haven't gotten acrimonious. Mm-hmm. There's well, they're getting they're they're getting that not, way. I they're wouldn't start, classify it as acrimonious started, yet. There's starting to be some messages in the media, right? Um, if if you want to say, I mean, what Jim Rutherford just said. I mean, Jim, what Jim Rutherford just said was basically like we we don't feel the pressure to re-sign our our captain, um, because we already got JT Miller signed. Like my thought on this is that based on again, I try to go with some facts on this very factual radio show. Just based off the Miller negotiation, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing kind of twists in the wind and is silent, and then. Three days before the season starts, they just decide, okay, let's do this now. You know what strikes me is how many people in Vancouver um, I've heard from and on on social media and in the text inbox that are like trade Bo. Like there, there doesn't there doesn't seem to be um, there's not a lot of panic, and I, I just it strikes me. And I, I remember I remember early last season. Actually, it might not have been early. It might have been mid to last season when Horvat was struggling a little bit and the team was struggling. I mean, everyone was struggling, but Horvat in particular, I think he it was his day to get, you know, roasted. Um, <laughs> and, and like, yeah, it's your turn today. Yeah. Um, and I remember said saying, like, you know, we talk so much about JT Miller maybe getting traded, but what about Horvat? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think I might have been in, like, one of those ornery moods that I was just, like, really frustrated not with the you. Canucks. Not uh, you. Yeah. No, believe it or not, I was really frustrated with the Canucks. And I'm like – and I think it was one of those days where they'd had a bad start. And, you know, they just didn't look – they looked timid. 
they looked um, th- there wasn't a lot of passion to their game, and I'm like, why? If 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 he's your captain and he's supposed to be inspiring the team, and that and that's part, and like we're trying to fix the culture here in Vancouver, like why are we so sure the Canucks should keep Bo Horvat? And there was a lot of people that were like, how dare you? Like typical Vancouver media. Yeah. Now you're going to try and run the captain out of town. But there were a lot of people who were like, yeah, how absolutely dare you? And that's fair, that response, because uh, I, a lot of people have an affinity for the guy. There's an emotional connection there that no, goes no, no, beyond but Mike, the, what I the think player. You're, I think you're completely missing my point. You're, what? you're missing my point in that a lot of people were like, uh, uh, sir, some people were like, how dare you? He was our captain. Mm-hmm. And but a lot of people were like, yeah. I, I agree with oh, you. Oh, no, like, sorry. I, I got I, your I point. Th- like, I, I think that – I don't think that the Canucks necessarily need to keep Horvat. Mm-hmm. Sorry, know, I, I, he, got your, okay, I got your point. Okay, doesn't matter. Yeah. Is, is, he there, is he an inspirational leader? It, do, you, do you have to pay him for that? Is he providing that? Mm-hmm. How does he fit in the locker room? We have all these conversations about how G.T. Miller fits or how Elias Pettersson fits. You know, like – is Horvat the guy that they go to for leadership? Right. Sorry, I was going to pivot off. Um, if you're looking at this just straight as assets in, assets out, what you need and what you have a surplus of is really straightforward, right? The Canucks area of strength right now, probably down the middle. If everything Boudreaux said is true, which I believe that it is, Miller, Pedersen, Horvat, yeah. Uh, by no, any- I know. It is a, was one of their strengths. Okay, so, yeah. can, so put that yeah. aside for a sec. There's an area of weakness, and can you pull up the Rutherford clip talking about the need for right-sided defensemen, especially young one houses avoid there? It's clearly been identified for this organization. And interestingly enough, and we'll play the clip from President of Hockey Ops, Jim Rutherford, not just about getting a top-four right-handed defenseman that can play now, but he's talking about one in the system, a younger one, one that's going to be there for a long time. Maybe not necessarily getting a guy that's... 27, 28, 29 years old, but an even younger one. Now, they're hard to come by, and you have to give to get, but here's what Rutherford said about a, a very popular topic here on the Halbro experience, the right side of the Canucks defense. You just don't know, you know, what comes along and what happens to different teams, and, and they may take a different position on some of their players that they wouldn't have in the offseason. We'll continue to stay active. You know, like, if if Pullman stays healthy and our defense stays healthy, I believe the defense we have can get the job done to be a playoff team. But when I refer to the defense about changing the defense, I'm talking about making it younger. You look on our right side and, and we don't have any young right shot defensemen coming. So, you know, we'd, we'd like to do that, but we can only do it when somebody becomes available. And, uh, but we're keeping our fingers crossed we can stay healthy and, and go with the group we got. Hopefully we play with a little more structure that helps our defense. And, uh, and we'll see, you know, we'll continue on a week-to-week basis uh, until we can get the kind of defenseman and maybe make it a little bit younger um, until we can make some of those changes. Okay. So here's the thing. If you remove... Horvat is, you can't trade the captain, lifelong Canuck, he wants to be here forever. If you remove that part of the equation, we go back to what we said just before the clip. You have depth at center. It's an area of strength, of surplus, of abundance, maybe, that you could draw from. Yeah. Okay? We've also talked about how you get a defenseman in the door. And people have said, well, trade Garland or trade Besser or trade Hoaglander. Wingers are a dime a dozen, unfortunately. They're not going to fetch you the kind of assets that in this fantasy land you think you're going to get. But if you can sell 
a 27-year-old center who's been a captain in the NHL who scored 20 goals four times and is coming off a career-high 31 goals. Now you're talking. Now other mm-hmm. general managers will be like, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Think right? of all the teams that are looking for a 2C. A lot. A lot. Yeah. It's plain and simple. And again, this isn't to say to trade the guy. It's just saying what makes the most sense and what can we expect based on the information that we have at our fingertips. Uh, Horvat would be a nice acquisition for a lot of teams, right? And we've just seen the bar being put out there for a guy like Nils Lundqvist, who fits the top four young defenseman protocol, mm-hmm. and he doesn't even have an NHL body of work, really. It's more yeah, of he a- got a first-round draft pick. And Rutherford was actually asked about that. Yeah. You know, would, would you put the first-round draft pick into play? And you know, I, I, I don't think he, he, he like – He's going to say, like, absolutely not. He, he would for the right player, but I don't think they want to do that, right? They don't have like, – look at their prospect group. No. It's not It's not teeming with blue-chip prospects. At any rate, listen, listen I, I, I don't, I don't want to act like I think the Canucks should absolutely trade Horvat because, sure, it's a position of strength, but you want – and I'm talking about down the middle – but you want to keep it that way. Yeah. Right? None of like, this is black and white. Like, it's a give-to-get league. Like, yeah, absolutely, yeah, we got a top-four right? defenseman, but now we just lost a really valuable piece of our center position. I mean, look what the Edmonton Oilers did with 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 Taylor Hall and, and Adam Larson. Now, I, I, I hesitate to say that because people are going to text in and say, like, Horvat isn't even close to what Taylor Hall was a player. Like, Taylor Hall won, won the Hart Trophy. You know, like, you can't compare those situations. I, I, I'm just saying that sometimes you can get – in a position where you're feeling comfortable with a position, like let's say it's center, and then you trade away a center for a need, and then and then you're kind of like, well, wait a minute, now we need another center. <laughs> you know, like who's our 3C? Maybe we'll trade this right shot defenseman for him, right? Like you, you get in that position. Mm-hmm. You, I don't think in the NHL you ever want to sit there and go, well, this is a position of strength, so obviously let's trade from that. Like – you need strength to win the Stanley Cup. And uh-huh. someone texted in and said, depth down the middle is what wins Stanley Cups. Canucks would be silly to get rid of that. You know what else uh, wins Stanley Cups? Depth on the blue line. <laughs> hey, and I'm not I'm not putting down the texter. It's just the reality of the situation. It's what makes it fun to talk about because you can go through all the different extrapolations and avenues you want to take the conversation because it does become... Uh, a pretty complex conversation, but also a pretty intriguing one. Who is the Canucks' immediate three C if they trade Horvat? Uh, probably, Dickin- Dickin- probably Dickinson. 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 I was gonna say because yeah, right? <laughs> he's, he's done it before. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. great. It's it's yeah. It's not great. You not you great. become you go from being a team where if honestly if the opposition looks at your lineup on the board they're like that's a long night down yeah. the middle. Oh, right? yeah. we're gonna lose a lot of draws. Yeah, we're gonna have to send guys out. They got three really good centers there, and all of a sudden it's like well if we if you move Horvat it becomes. Well, if you saw off the top two guys, you probably get a good chance of winning that. But, night, right? but that's the opposition's view of it. Can you agree with me, Mike, that if they aren't able to hammer out a deal before the season starts with Horvat, that's pretty telling in how far away they are? Yeah. Because, sure. because yes, I would agree with I, I, you on again, that. Again, right? Like everything is lining up for them to get a deal done. The Canucks want to keep him, he wants to stay. Um, they're both on the record as saying that. There's no waffling, right? They're not like, eh, I don't know. Like Horvat hasn't sat there and be like, ah, maybe I want to explore another market or even hinted at that. Um, so if they both want the same thing, it's clearly just a price thing. Mm-hmm. 
and the Canucks have to be cognizant of their cap situation. Horvat wants to get paid like, like a 2C, but he's their 3C. You don't want to pay your 3C like that a 2C. That's okay. okay. how they look at it, right? Dave like, in Vancouver just texted in, do you really want to pay your 3C around $7 million? It does not make sense to me. Do keep in mind uh, what the price now isn't going to be in two years' time. Cap's going to grow fair. I wouldn't say exponentially because I'm going to be massive growth, but there's going to be a significant bump in the not-too-distant yeah. future where – you know, you might live in a world where seven million dollars for a three C isn't all that outrageous. Uh, I don't know, but I, I think it depends what your three C role is, right? Like Horvat's going to be on the on the power play. Um, well, here's he's the not thing. great at killing penalties, but he's probably going to be on the PK, so he's probably going to find the minutes. Sometimes you've got a three C that plays fourteen minutes a night, and yeah, sometimes you've got this. one that plays nineteen minutes a night. This is a guy that, in that role, granted, if it's whatever, however you want to label it, three C or what have you, it still doesn't erase the fact that he takes almost every significant defensive zone face off for the team. He scored thirty-one goals last year, and he's shown perennially yeah. that he can hit over twenty. He won't now, though, with Curtis Lazar. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah, it's still the the body of work is the body of work, and he's only twenty-seven. Yeah. So I don't think the number, like, I don't think it'll get to seven. I wouldn't be surprised if they just end up shaking hands and be like, okay, six. Congratulations. Here, away we go, right? But but then you've got a situation where it's actually a little bit complicated. Then you've got a situation where Horvat will be like, I'm not getting paid less than Besser. Might have to. Well, yeah. <laughs> or, or he might say, I'm not signing for that. Yeah. And this is where this I is where the hierarchy of contracts yeah. and the sa- your salary cap um, – situation players will often and this is a problem the Canucks have run into players will look at other players on the team and be like I'm better than that guy like don't you think Horvat don't you think Horvat could make a make a good case that he is more important to the team than Brock Besser yeah absolutely and this is where I come back to what we talked about earlier I don't know what his value would be league-wide I if he let's say hypothetically that he went to market I don't know which team if any is there waiting on day one to give him a, a very significant deal, way more than he would make in Vancouver. I don't know. There, there could be that team. There could be someone that it only takes one. There could be someone I, I th- that's totally enamored with him. I but, think there'd be a pretty big market for Horvat. It, I guess it also depends on who's becoming available next summer. Because, I mean, at the center position, I think the big prize, if he goes, would be Larkin. Now, he may stay. He's not going. He's going to sign in Detroit. And then in terms of just straight free agent money, yeah. you could have guys like Patrick Kane. I mean, I don't think Pasternak's going to hit the market. But there's some big name guys. That's all I'm saying. Sure, yeah. And that's just money out of the pie. I know that Kane's a winger. I know the Horvath's a center. Mm-hmm. But the fact remains is that they're all vying for the same amount of free agent dollars. So it all plays into it, right? I, I don't know how it'll end. But again, I'm fairly confident after all of this and saying that it's probably going to end with a deal three days before the start of the regular season. Five minutes after our show ends today yeah, on a yeah, Friday. Yeah. Or That's is very it, possible too. Maybe like Thanksgiving weekend. They seem to like to dump things on long weekends. So that could be one. Circle that one on your calendar. But I got a feeling that it'll get done. It just makes enough sense to keep them around as opposed to try and enter this season with contract uncertainty or even try and orchestrate a deal, which would be, I mean, think about that as I now I process it trading your captain on the eve of a season where it's like, want to get off to a good start, boys. You know, we want the guys are getting along and everyone's pulling the rope in the same direction. By the way, Bo's gone. <laughs> where's, where's Bo? That doesn't fit yeah, at all, anyway. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation that the Canucks find themselves in. Uh, Kevin Woodley is coming up next. No, he's coming up at 7.30. Brady Henderson, our Seahawks reporter, is coming up at 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll chat with Brady Henderson 
uh, briefly. About the Falcons game. Yeah. Uh, and I can't believe I'm going to ask this question. Can the Seahawks open up their offense with Geno Smith? This is where we're at in week three of the Seattle Seahawks season. Brady Henderson. No, no, no. Wait a minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tease this a little better. The Seahawks are 1-1, one one, tied for first place in the NFC West. They've got a huge game coming up against the Atlanta Falcons. Brady Henderson will join us next on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.